been uh, the full beginning. I'd like to wait for a welcome in some ways, but certainly extend my greetings and uh, blessings to those of you who arrived uh, two or three days ago. And uh, great that you're here. Um, this evening, ah, sorry, this evening. <laughs> this morning, <laughs> until I've said that a few times before, this morning I'd like to speak about uh, faith. Or what we could say, the ground that we rest upon. One of the primary features of Dharma practice is to examine, to explore, and to consider the experience of what it's like to be living in a world in which the ground underneath us is shifting. A world in which conditions are not reliable. A world in which things continually change. And in this process of examining, examining what's going on to see how it really is, to see what's true, in order to be able to live our life in harmony and accord with that truth, what arises is perhaps a sense of what can I rest upon if things are continually changing, if everything we point towards and look at ultimately dissolves. And this is really a question of faith. Sada is the, uh, the word in the Pali which the, the Buddha used. And it can be translated more literally to mean to rest the heart upon. Faith is to rest the heart upon. And I think it's a rather beautiful expression. Because in life I think we are sometimes looking for something to rest our hearts upon. And what we see, often the experience of our life reveals a certain disappointment, perhaps a healthy disenchantment or disillusionment with worldly things as something we can really rely on. This is often the kind of experience or the kind of understanding that leads us to come to Dharma practice or to commit ourselves to periods of retreat. There can be sometimes a sense of loss of faith in uh, people who aren't that reliable, sometimes in things which we see break down, wear out, get lost. We can have a sense of loss of faith in religions or ideologies or philosophies even because we see that so easily they simply become belief structures and uh, lose touch with perhaps their original inspiration and transformative capacity. In the sense of having a loss of faith, we're not really sure what we have faith in. I think it's not an uncommon condition for us as Westerners, many of whom not really having a strong sense of a sort of cultural religious identity, or not identity, but uh, commitment to a religious or spiritual tradition. And although we might experience at times an absence of faith, or what we feel to be an absence of faith, I think it's interesting to reflect upon this quality because, in fact, we couldn't do anything without it. We're constantly employing it. Although, for the most part, I think we actually don't acknowledge that it's going on. For instance, um, If we sit on a chair at dinner time, 
when we take our meal. When we pull the chair out and sit on it. Probably most of us, having put the chair somewhere beneath our butt, just sit on it. And we're pretty confident that it's actually going to hold us up. This is an issue of faith. We have sat on a chair before and mostly chairs hold us up. So we we have faith, we believe in it. If every other chair that you sat on collapsed, the process of sitting in a chair would be a very different thing. We'd do it slowly and carefully and we'd kind of almost catch our breath until we... But we don't. We just... Some of the armchairs in the lounge and the library, they are ones in which your faith is tested for the first half a second because you sort of think you're going to hit something solid and you actually drop another two feet or so before you actually hit the bottom of the seat. And yet nonetheless we just let ourselves go because of course the chair and the, or the armchair, the dining room chair is one thing but the earth, we have the faith that it's going to hold us up. Now of course that seems obvious in one way but to acknowledge that there are things we are trusting in that we're allowing to rest our weight upon constantly is actually to see that we haven't necessarily lost the capacity for faith, but perhaps we have at times invested it in things which couldn't really support it. And we have to learn to place our faith in that which actually is worthy of it. Which I don't suspect would come as news to any of you, really. And yeah, I just really just wanting to reflect on that. And how we live our life is simply an expression of what we've placed our faith in. That's what it is. If we believe that happiness and satisfaction comes through the gaining and avoiding of experiences, manipulating and controlling what happens around us or within us, if we believe this, then that's what we'll spend our life doing. If we, if this is what we're convinced, if this is what we have faith in is actually the way to live, then that's what we'll do. And we could see that probably that's what many people do. And I'm sure we've all tried it ourselves at times. Probably quite a bit. At the same time, if we see that basing our action in wisdom and compassion and finding a wise and compassionate response to the way things are, rather than trying to manipulate the way things are or control the way things are. Finding that wise, compassionate response. If we place our faith in this, if we trust in this, then something else happens for us, rather different than when we seek to pursue, to manipulate and to control. And so, Part of the journey of practice is an ongoing exploration and, in a sense, evaluation without constantly trying to figure out, am I doing it right, is it working? Which is basically a recipe for mental angst. Um, But noticing, nonetheless, that the basic thrust of our life is underpinned with certain assumptions or beliefs, which, if we're acting on them, that's where our faith is going. And if those basic underpinnings are born of wisdom that will lead to well-being, to the end of suffering, to freedom. And if those basic understandings are founded in, in blindness and in delusion and confusion, then it will lead to suffering. So the place of, of faith, of sada, is the capacity to rest our heart upon something and in that to be able to act. 
actually comes from the place of where we rest, what we're resting on. Just as when we take a step, it's the earth that we push off on that we're resting on when we take the step, without which we couldn't do it, and without faith in which we wouldn't try to do it. And these, or this quality of faith is understood as being, in, in the Dharma teachings, as being one of the, the primary qualities that we learn to cultivate, that are developed through the process of meditative practice. It requires a certain faith, a certain trust, to actually come and spend time on retreat, perhaps born of your previous experience that just recognizes, oh, this is valuable, this is beneficial, this is transformative. And in coming on a retreat, when we begin, of course, the first few days it can be the mind is all over the place and the body is not at all necessarily at ease. And it's that, that sort of remembered faith that we, that we start with. That, oh yeah, this can be useful, this is beneficial. But from that, we, we bring the energy, we bring, and this is in, in terms of the, the five spiritual faculties, faith is the first, and the second is energy or effort, that sense of applying ourselves to the process of meditative practice and being on retreat from some sense, some faith that this is beneficial, making an effort to be present, to connect, to open. And in that applying of that effort of our energy, the third of the spiritual faculties, mindfulness arises. We notice, ah, I start to actually connect, I start to sense, I start to be consciously in touch with the immediate experience more and more. As that happens, the mind quiets and calms, and the force of the spiritual faculties, concentration or unification, begins to develop. That sense of the mind calming, stilling, steadying, and the heart softening and opening. And as this, this quality starts to develop and uh, ripen, also wisdom arises through the clarity and openness of the concentrated or the collected, gathered and stabilized heart-mind consciousness, which we call citta. And the consciousness is gathered, focused and receptive. Quite naturally we start to understand what's going on. Wisdom arises in that condition. This is the, the fifth of the spiritual faculty. And through that wisdom we begin to see, oh, being present actually leads to a sense of well-being. Letting go gives rise to the end of suffering. When we start to see those and experience those again immediately in our actual experience, rather than remembering that I think it was quite good the last time I was on, on retreat and I'm going to try and get that experience again. When that happens, then of course the faith is de- deepened, is refreshed, is nourished, strengthened. And then that leads to again a renewed application of our energy, of inspiration, of engagement. And so the cycle continues. So to understand the core place that faith has in that cycle is is rather useful, I think. It's important to understand with faith that it's it's not something about passivity where we just sit and wait everything for everything to happen. There's a, a balancing process in practice whereby we learn that we can't make it happen, we can't force things to occur or unfold as we might wish or in the time scale that we might desire. 
So we have to just kind of learn to be with things and let the process unfold, and this is part of faith. And yet, it doesn't mean then that somehow we disengage, that we somehow take ourselves out of the equation because I can't make it happen, therefore I won't participate wholeheartedly in the process. And there's a, there's a great story which I think uh, has something to say about this, and it's uh, perhaps a little topical in terms of the, the, the tragedy in uh, uh, Southern America of the, uh, the hurricanes and the flooding in uh, Louisiana and that region. But um, there's a story of a man who's living at home and it starts to rain and the rain is pouring down, pouring down and it begins to sort of fill the streets and it becomes obvious that the town is going to flood. And so people start leaving the town. But this man, he says, when to- people said, oh, you should go to... No, I have faith in God. God will save me. Don't worry. And he climbs up onto the um, sort of into his house and closes the door and as the water starts to rise, someone comes past in a rowing boat and says, jump in. You know, the town is flooding. You need to leave. No, I have faith. God will save me. And the water keeps rising. He climbs up to the second floor of his house. The water keeps rising. A motorboat comes along says... You've probably all heard this, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to tell you anyway. Um, the motorbike comes along and says, jump in, jump in. And uh, he says, no, no, God will save me. Water keeps rising, climbs up onto his roof, a helicopter comes past. Jump on, jump on. No, God will save me. Water keeps rising, he dies, he goes up to heaven. Of course he would, he has a lot of faith it seems. Um, but he demands an audience with God, he says, God, I don't understand, what happened? I thought you would save me, I trusted you, I just don't understand. God says, I didn't understand either. I sent a motorboat, a rowing boat, and a helicopter. <laughs> what went wrong? It's like we have to really engage. Faith does not mean we disengage from the process. It actually is the basis of a wholehearted engagement. But nonetheless, one that we also we can engage from a place of letting go. And it sounds like a contradiction, but to engage from a place of letting go is actually the, the core art of meditative practice. Letting go sounds like disengagement, but it's not. Engaging from a place of letting go. Because faith is actually the basis of action, the basis of response. to see that we can actually be present, that we can connect, that we can stay there in the midst of a turbulent mind or a body that's feeling under pressure from restlessness or discomfort or drowsiness or whatever may arise. And to notice how in that regard, faith is something which counteracts the power of fear. Fear tends to have a paralyzing effect that stops us acting, that uh, compresses or, or, or contracts the sense of space in which we're inhabiting our lives and limits or, in fact, closes off the sense of possibilities or the sense of options. So much of what goes on in fear is a sense of 
not trusting that we'll be okay, even if things are going to be difficult, even if things turn out not the way we wish. Losing a sense of trust or faith that oh, it'll be okay, I'll manage, it'll be alright. It doesn't mean faith doesn't mean that things are always going to be fine or easy. It doesn't mean that. It means just an underlying sense of I can navigate this, or there'll be a way to find a way through this situation, whatever it might be. Rather than sort of holding back, shrinking away, or pulling out of our experience because we're not quite sure how to deal with it, faith is what allows us to actually stay there, stay in contact with it. And in being in contact with the experience, that is the basis for finding the way through, the way into and through. And so, where fear leads to confusion and doubt and paralysis, faith actually empowers action, empowers the response, the engagement with, as I said. And it's engagement from a place of letting go. What does that mean? Well, mindfulness reveals where we hold on and where we resist our experience. This is the fundamental purpose in the end of mindfulness. Although it serves in many, many things. Mindfulness reveals when we pay attention to what's going on, when we're really present, we see where we hold on and where we resist our experience. And wisdom sees that this is suffering. Sees that this is painful. Mindfulness is kind of bare and simple. It just notices what's happening. This is going on, there's contraction, or there's resistance, or there's grasping. And the condition of that grasping or aversion is, is contracted, is limited, is bound, is compressed, is depressed, is repressed, is pressed. That's we simply see through observing. We might have heard about it in some teaching, sure, but seeing it is what makes the difference. Wisdom recognises the relationship between that grasping or resistance and the sense of limitation, contraction, compression and bondage. Wisdom actually sees that. That's what the sense of, oh, that's what's happening. Ah, that's wisdom. It doesn't have to come with big shining lights and sort of sort of stardust or anything like that. It's just, ah, that's what's happening. We understand there's a sense of recognition of something that's true. And the very clear implication that wisdom reveals is that we need to let go. Unless we like suffering. If we want to suffer, wisdom suggests, well, if you want to suffer, keep doing that grasping thing. It'll work. It's really good for that. If you want suffering, here's the way. If you want not suffering, ah, well, then letting go is what's suggested. But it doesn't make it happen. Have you ever noticed? We know, we know really well what we could let go of. We know really well that we're holding on. And we don't always manage to do it. And it's faith that actually allows us to release. Because in seeing the beneficial, it's, well, yeah, the expression of faith in action is letting go. This is what faith actually is, how as it manifests. 
It's not a belief system, it's not a set of ideas that we have faith in. Although we may have faith in our understanding or the faith in, in Dharma teachings. But the, the true expression of faith is not some certainty with regard to ideology. But the true, and the, because it's often described that way, of course we can sometimes find ourselves resistant to faith. It's like, I don't believe things, I don't want to just believe things. It's not really what it's about. It's like that expression of acting even though we don't know what will happen. Because letting go inevitably involves entering territory that is as yet unknown to us. Otherwise there's no real letting go. We don't let go into the known or the familiar or the predictable. That's what we hold on to. What we let go into is inevitably the unknown, the fresh, the new, the immediate. It is the process of letting go that unhooks us from the entanglement with past and future, which is the way that we create a sense, an illusion of some certainty, of some fixity. Because being fabrications of mind, or constructions of mind, not that they're totally um, unrelated to the actuality of past or future, but their constructions, they can become fixed. But the present, where we are, and what will happen in this moment or the next, is an unknown. And faith actually allows us to enter that, to take that, it seems, risky step of trusting in something that we can't quite know what will happen. Because we really understand that the alternative of not letting go, of holding on, of grasping, has a certainty associated with it, which is called suffering, which we are quite clear we do not wish to choose. And so choosing or being willing to move into that unknown, unfamiliar territory, which is born of letting go. Seeing that letting go is beneficial, it requires courage to let go, actually. Sometimes it feels like we have little choice. But there is nonetheless in that a certain quality of courage that we connect with. And sometimes when we may feel we don't have a sense of faith, it doesn't mean anything, even some sort of idea about, oh, well, I'm standing on the earth, so I must have faith, doesn't seem to resonate, so, you know, whatever we might hear doesn't touch. Sometimes it's useful to reflect on or contemplate the quality of courage because it is very close to faith. Again, courage is that quality that describes an action when we don't know its outcome. And yet, we're willing to take the risk because, as I said, we see the risk of not acting is of the deepening of our entanglement with suffering. And so there's a, a process that we go through when we reach that point where we begin to sense that we need to let go of something. Maybe it's just the entertaining um, or fascinated 
relationship we have with our mind thinking. We just I can just actually put that down there. I don't need to keep stirring that pot, spinning that wheel, driving that car. Or maybe it's something in ourselves which we're resisting allowing ourselves to be touched by, which we don't want to feel. And we realize, actually, I can just let this come. I can just be here and meet this experience. Or maybe it's the uh, the place where we notice how strongly we're identifying with something, some pattern as being who we are, some thought pattern, some emotional pattern, or with our body or the very mind itself. We notice that identification, we see there's a contraction in it, yet we're not quite sure if we want to let it go. But we're waiting for some guarantee. And there isn't one. That's just about the only guarantee. There isn't a guarantee. Uh, another story. Um, don't know why. Anyway, um, man's walking along a, a cliff one day, and uh, getting distracted for a moment, he, he gets a little too close to the edge, stumbles and falls. And as he's falling, this uh, 100 yard, 100 meter drop with large rocks below, he catches hold of a tree just uh, 20 yards below the edge and he, he's holding onto the branch of the tree, looking up at the sheer cliff, there's no way he can get up there, looking down at the rocks and potential death below. And despite having been a, a lifelong atheist, a thought occurs in this uh, man's mind, he says, and he says it out loud, he says, God, if you're out there, save me and I'll believe in you. And uh, suddenly there's this loud rumbling voice. That's what they all say. <laughs> and he's so startled he almost lets go of the branch. But he clings on tight and says, No, no, God, this is different. This is different. I can feel myself starting to really believe. If you save me, I'll have faith in you. I've heard that before, said the loud rumbling voice. But I'm willing to give you a chance to prove your faith. Will you save me if I have faith in you? Will you have sa- will you save me? Said the man. Said yes. Said the voice. I will save you if you have faith. I will save you. I can feel it already. It's strong. It's clear. Okay. Let go of the branch. Let go of the branch. You think I'm crazy? <laughs> Says the man. It may not be a loud rumbling voice that we hear. But sometimes within us I think we hear the voice that says let go. Although one part of us is saying, do you think I'm crazy? What's going to happen when I let go? We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen when we let go. The reason that we might be willing to do so is because we realise that we do know what will happen if we don't. To not let go is to be bound by that very habit and act of grasping. 
Letting go is once described by Joseph Goldstein, one of our senior teachers in our lineage, as uh, a little bit like the process of someone going for a parachute jump for the first time. Having worked up their courage, up there in the sky, in the plane, finally thrust themselves out of the jump window or the jump door. And just as they do so, they realise they've left their parachute behind. It's like, ah! And just as they realise they've left their parachute behind, they look down and see there's no ground. There's not something to land on or to crash into. It's like that sense of entering the unknown that letting go implies requires an immense faith and courage. And yet what is revealed when we actually follow that quiet or gentle commitment in our hearts that is a commitment towards freedom, a commitment towards the end or the release of suffering and bondage is that we find that letting go is actually something we can rest upon. That we can actually trust in letting go. And that when we act from a place of faith, that action, that engagement that is born in letting go, or engagement with letting go, it's like this wholehearted application without a thought towards the future. But the thought or the inclination, the intention being entirely towards the now, the here, the this. To investigate, to explore, to see what it is. To be alive. To just a... John, might want to wake up. That sense of engagement. It's like one of the hardest qualities to really develop and refine well in practice. And the one that rewards us the most, to be able to give ourselves completely, wholeheartedly and totally to the practice that you are engaged in. And yet at the same time with an equal, total wholeheartedness, have no immediate sense of trying to analyse or get where you are or get to somewhere particular. So the sense of wholehearted but no investment in result, no investment in goal, no investment in getting somewhere and not really giving too much time or energy to the process of mind that tends to want to evaluate how well I'm doing, how far I've got, how far forward I've yet to go or how far back I've slid since the last time. All of that put to one side. Because that's all really in the service of the anxieties of our mind that want to be able to track and measure and know and predict and describe a process that is ultimately beyond our mind's capacity to describe or to track or to really comprehend although we can and do know and understand and feel and directly experience the results of the process. And we can see and more and more deeply trust 
in their wholesome trans and the wholesome transformative capacity of Dharma practice. So learning to trust, learning to have faith in. This is a is a core aspect of Dharma practice, the cultivation of the the first of the spiritual faculties. And understanding what is it that we have faith in? What could we have faith in? Beginning from a place of deepening faith that we can just be with our experience. That it's possible to be present even in the midst of the challenging or the confusing or the threatening or the unknown. That we can actually be present in the very midst of these experiences whatever they might be. In that, being able to rest. It's like, ah, oh, we can rest as we begin to have faith in this capacity to be. That capacity that is inherent in the very nature of presence, of life, of awareness that we engage with through practice, that just is. When we're in touch with that, we are able to just be, and we can release the the pressure and the stress and the exhaustion of constantly trying to manipulate, adjust, control and fix or improve our self or our experience or our world. And this is really the basis of a great degree of peace. That we just know, I can be here in the midst of this, in the midst of whatever, in the midst of anything this is possible, to simply abide. We can also have faith in the goodness of our aspiration, in the in the deep underlying current of caring, of kindness, of goodness, that actually moves us to engage in practice at all, that moves us to be concerned about the transformation of suffering within our own life, within the life of others, within this world vast universe. That, that foundation of what spiritual activity is concerned with, that really comes from a, a place of simple, innate goodness. To really trust in that. To trust to have faith in the fact, the actuality, that we can cultivate wholesome and beneficial transformative qualities of heart and mind. That we can cultivate patience and loving kindness, compassion and wisdom, generosity and faith and courage and perseverance and many things besides. That this is possible for us. There's a beautiful... um, from the Buddha's teachings where he, he says if it were not possible to do this I would not ask you to do it but because it is possible I ask you to do it like this sense of it's possible without necessarily even having to conceive or fix or solidify what it is that's possible just that sense of possibility itself is actually very powerful and to actually allow ourselves to rest in the sense of possibility, of transformation. But the nature of conscious life is that it moves towards awakening, 
not necessarily in the most direct way, unfortunately. But nonetheless, it, it moves. We move in this direction. This is what calls us. And this is what we respond to at the deepest level of our being. And to see that in that movement, in that journey, it is what our life offers us. It is the experience that's here on this retreat. It's what's actually happening that forms the, the soil of that path, that forms the substance of that journey, that is the, the grist for the mill of our awakening. That whatever comes to you while you're here, whether it's entertaining, flattering, embarrassing, confusing, or sweet, delightful, um, uplifting, or really challenging, or whatever it might be, that whatever comes to you is your journey. To really allow the heart to rest on that is to allow yourself to receive what your life is offering, which is always and again and again the opportunity to wake up. And this, to have faith in this, the possibility of awakening, to allow our heart to rest, to allow our heart to rest, upon that sense of ah, this is possible that this life and all of this is actually presenting an opportunity a priceless unparalleled opportunity to awaken and it's the kind of thing that in a sales pitch is always accompanied with you know a priceless unparalleled and never to be repeated opportunity now fortunately although this moment will never be repeated. This opportunity is constantly repeated, offered, available. To really trust, to have faith in this, the possibility of the awakening of the human heart, of our heart, of every heart. This is actually to have something to rest upon, which will carry us. And which will profoundly contribute to the deepening and the transformative power of Dharma practice. The Buddha spoke of many different levels of faith, beginning with the faith that just allows us to experiment and explore though we're not yet quite sure. Which is where we begin, the willingness to explore. Through the faith that is born when our experience actually starts to verify what seems to be true. And culminating in what is described as the unshakable faith of, of wisdom, of understanding, of awakening. So faith stands both at the beginning and at the fulfilment of our journey. So may you all in your practice be in contact with the faith that is there. The 
capacity to engage from a place of letting go. And may this faith lead onward to the sure heart's relief for each of you and for all beings.